good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard, and uh, we welcome those online for joining us. We, we're glad that you're with us this morning. I'm Jamie, one of the pastors. My wife and I get to lead the church together as co-pastors, and it's an honor, and we're glad to have you with us. Um, don't forget, on the way out, if you have teenagers, middle school, high school, and they're not signed up yet for the youth retreat that's next weekend, they have a table over here to my right on the way out if you need some help, uh, if it's an economic reason, whatever, just let them know. We want to get, want to see your kids come. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a great, great time that they're going to have out, out at the youth retreat. Um, uh, I forgot there was one other thing, but it's just gone. But anyway, that's why you write stuff down so that when you forget, uh, anyway, we're glad to have you. We're in the middle of a series called The Ugly Incarnation. And so just to kind of keep from people just losing their minds with, you know, what in the world is they talking about ugly incarnation? Uh, we use the word ugly not as a, a visual of how somebody might look. Uh, we use it kind of like that's ugly, uh, garbage. And it's uh, uh, you know, not evil. It's just broken. It's, a, it's the world we live in. It's the world Christ came to, but he came to make it new, make all things new. And so we're talking about Christ coming in complete human form, just like us. In John 1, 14, uh, one of the verses we're building this series on about a smaller God, that he's come to us so we can be, he can be relatable, he can be uh, approachable. Uh, but in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus in his birth incarnation. Became flesh is where we get the word ugly from. Flesh is a human, broken, flawed, not in a sinful way, limited, mortal. Jesus came in all of those ways, but yet, and he dwelt among us, but yet John is writing and said, we, we got to see something in, in, not in spite of that, but because of that. And if you get that little nuance, it's not in spite of the fact that Jesus was human like us. It was in the fact that Jesus was human like us, that you're going to see his glory in ways that you'd never see it. When you quit looking for a bright light or a big power bang miracle, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people waiting for God to do a big bang, you know, and I was into that for a while and we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and I'd be happy if he does that. But, you know, in between waiting on God to do a big bang, it's hard work. You've got to do sow and reap. You've got to pray and, 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 and serve and, and be kind. You can't just wait for God to just do some big miracle and puts all your life back together and changes everything and boom. My, my experience is rarely does the Lord zap us into everything we ought to be, but he will begin a work in us that he continues until Christ Jesus comes. And so we're going to look at two portions of Scripture, same story, but from two different perspectives. One is the Gospel of Mark. We're going to start there, chapter 7. But then we're going to go to chapter 15 of Matthew, who tells the same story uh, that Mark does, but they each have a different spin that they put on it, a different insight as they look into it. So if you'll look with me in Mark we're going to look at uh, this is one of the most obscure stories of Jesus in the Bible. And it's just, uh, you'll find most pastors skip this, this scripture, but I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever spoken on it. Um, maybe when I get done, you'll say, well, maybe you shouldn't have spoken on it, but I don't know. Uh, but anyway, we're going to start in Mark chapter 
7, starting in verse 24. Jesus left that place, which was Jesus had been working in Israel, ministering. You've got to keep in mind that Christ came primarily to begin with for the Jews, to Israel, to the temple, to the people that had made, God had made promises, to the people that had believed in the Messiah coming. And, and Christ came to them, not that it was a well-received, but that's how he came first. Now he's leaving the area of Galilee, the, the uh, place he'd been ministering, and he's going north to really even on the border or crossing the border of uh, into, I don't want to call it enemy territory because it's not, but to the Jew, it was the unclean territory. It's where the unclean dogs lived, the Gentiles, the pagans, the idol worshipers. So <clears throat> 24, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and didn't want anyone to know it. Now, come on. I, I love this about Jesus and the honesty. Why, why do you think he went into... Now, didn't he come to minister to people? Didn't he come to, to, to heal and deliver? He leaves those people. He goes, we don't know whose house it is. Somebody was smart enough to let Jesus in. But he wanted to get away. Why do you think the hands... And if you blurt out the answer, you will stay after church, clean up programs left behind, communion cups, you have a church. That doesn't mean hold up your hand and blurt out the answer. It means wait till you're called on. So why do you think Jesus wanted to go in a house where nobody could find him? Why do you think? Let me see a hand. What do you think? For rest. And what kind of God is that that needs a rest? It's a human and God equal. Jesus, ministry is draining. You're draining. Did he say we're draining, honey? I didn't hear him well. You're draining. You drain your wife. You drain others. You're dra- we used to have a, a nice, oh, we still do have a little, little inside saying they're an EGR. It stands for extra grace required. We had a girl in our youth group years ago that her phone rang, and it was just we were beginning to get caller ID, she held up her call or ID and it said E-G-R on it, which was a boy in the youth group that drained her. And so she was reminded, I'm about to answer this and I'm going to need God's grace to be nice to this young man because he was extremely draining. Life drains you. I mean, you, you, you cannot sustain without learning as Jesus models, though he was God, needed to get away, needed to get alone. Now, he didn't just get alone and self-indulge. He got alone to be with the Father. He walked with the Father. He ministered with the Father. But he needed those times of solitude, times of silence. Do you have any of that in your life? Is there ever a moment that you're without this? Is there ever a moment that this is off and notifications are off? I mean, if you don't turn notifications off when you come to church, shame on you. Turn them off. Somebody go into your pocketbooks now. God, please, Jesus, don't it. Even the ringer. Start with a ringer. I'm talking about notifications. Boop. Because we're trained. Pavlov's all. We're just like, boop, look. Boop. Uh, or you have some news thing that plays uh, urgent music. Urgent. Yeah, urgent, which is never urgent. It's always something stupid. But it's got you trained to look at it. And so it's it, there's times you've got to disconnect. Jesus did that. But... And you'll see that this hiddenness of his glory, 
that even in the middle of this, he's about to get interrupted and he doesn't snap on this woman. So he's in a house. He's, he's in, we're in Mark first. We're going to start there. And he didn't want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. Now, again, that's not because there was some holy glow about Jesus. I, for, when I was first a Christian, I thought I, that was one of my dreams, that I would have this glow about me that somebody one day would... Uh, I'd love to tell this story, but I don't know if I can still tell this story. You, brought, Gary, you remember where I'm going. Um, anyway, I won't tell it. But my wife's not here to tell me, no, 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 so I could blame it on her. Uh, anyway, I'll tell it. <laughs> I could see someone's going to offer me a free lunch. and It's a good story. It's not a bad story, but I'm in Jacksonville. I'm a young adult, not married. I'm I'm in probably 19 years old, and I dreamed that somebody one day would say, I can't tell the story. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'll I'll fail. I'll have inappropriate laughter. I'll do something. So you can all all day long, but I'm the one that has to pay the price for saying it. So every now and then you hear that, do not take this path. (laughs) Anyway, did Jesus have a holy glow? No. There was nothing. He's tired. I'm not going to say he's grumpy, but he's tired. I get grumpy when I'm tired. I get ways. You know, I tell people, you know, you got to have the pastor pray for him. Got to have the pastor. I said, you can have me pray for you. But right now, all I've got on my mind is lunch. My blood sugars crash and you're not going to get much out of me. But if you go over to the prayer team, those people are fresh. Those people get you something from God. If you want leftovers, I can pray for you right now. But it'll be wimpy. It, my mind won't be on you. I'm thinking about Rib City. I'm moving on. I don't want a pastor. Then go find a liar. Then, you know, you can have a different kind of pastor. Because they all get grumpy. And you see someone coming and go, oh, no. They're, you've learned over the years to spot an EGR from several miles away. It's just like the, when the lady stood over and interrupted me here a few months back. And while I'm talking to a new couple, she interrupts and she says, I've been to 402 different churches. And this is my 403rd. And I thought, EGR, EGR. Nobody goes to 403 churches unless those churches are telling her to leave, which I proceeded to do when she blew her shofar horn and said, I'm announcing the coming of Jesus. And I said, okay, we want him to come, but don't blow that horn in here. So Pastor Charles gently asked her to leave. She stood at the back door, turned around and sang, I want to know what love is. Show. She started singing the for, was that foreigner? Uh, yeah, foreigners. He starts singing, I want to know what love is. Love is stop blowing the shofar horn. And she went out the door and she said, well, if you don't want Jesus to come again. And she started blowing the horn, walking across the parking lot. And now she's on number 404 uh, churches. So Jesus didn't have a holy glow and he wasn't blowing a shofar horn. He was just tired. But the word of Jesus, the glory about what he had shown others, the mercy, the love, had attracted this woman's heart. She'd heard about him. She's not a Jew. She's what the Jews considered a dog. She's a pagan. She's a, she's probably very poor. She's in desperate need and she's going to try to find help with the last resort, which is Jesus. So she goes to Jesus. His presence couldn't be hid. And in verse 25, in fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed of an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born of Syrian Phoenicia. She 
begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Now I'm going to go to Matthew. Same, pick up the same story in Matthew chapter 15. Uh, in verse, she comes, verse 22, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter's suffering terribly from a demon possession. Now listen, primarily mothers, you, you that have had a sick child, you've had the, a needy child, you, you can relate. You can, only a mother's heart can feel the desperation that this mother, she can't help her daughter. Whatever medical people, whatever power p religion they couldn't they, she's got a demon tormenting her child which can easily be seen in the scriptures as well as in real life that the devil doesn't go oh it's a young child let me leave him alone he goes after the weak he goes after the vulnerable he doesn't limit his attacks to age appropriate there is no age appropriate to him he's going after our children He's going after them in powerful ways that if a parent doesn't learn to be a praying parent, this, the, the daughter's hope lied in do I have a mother that prays or seeks help or that humbles herself that, that will, our daughters to this day will tell you that they're alive today because of their mother's prayers. They have no doubt about it. And I don't even want to know all the close calls. I just want to say thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. In the last month, I've had four grandchildren in car accidents. And every accident, both cars were totaled. Now, you do the odds on that. I have, that's almost half my grandkids. Uh, my son-in-law was in one of the wrecks. And someone ran a stop sign, T-boned him. Uh, another, my grandson and his girlfriend were driving. And someone jumped out in front of them crashed their car and the third one was uh it was an it was a a a, a bad he, my a grandson pulled out couldn't didn't see the other car and t-boned him all three accidents totaled the vehicles and everybody walked away from every accident no scars no all of them could have left them into the hospital or or killed but the the odds of that see i know that i know that that the enemy hates our kids. He hates our grandkids. And you're trying to do things in the kingdom. He hates you. If he can't get to you, he's going to go after your kids or grandkids. And I, I said, to her, but I thank God for his faithfulness. I thank God for his protection, his angels watching out. So here's a mother, you know, it made me think, uh, 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 here a while back, my wife and I were traveling and we we're in an airport, just killing time, waiting for our gate to open up. And this, this gate had just closed and, and it was a, they shut the doors. There were glass glassy plex, whatever you call it, plastic doors. You could see through it. They shut them, but you could see where people would, they were just going down and getting on the plane. This lady comes up and she starts banging on it. The plexiglass, that's the word I was looking for. She's banging on it, banging on it. I'm thinking, she's going to break that stuff. Bang. Stop, stop, open the door. Nobody heard her. She goes, listen, think of this. She, she goes and takes her ticket and she scans it. She checks her own self in. I'm wondering, why did she do that? Well, she runs across to the other ticketing agent. So you hear her over there creating a huge commotion. And this guy's like, okay, I've got to walk over. She's like, I've got my ticket. I'm already scanned to be on the flight. As though the stewardess scanned her to be on it. And they shut the door and left her out. So now she's got this guy losing his mind. Finally, he gets on the whatever walkie to whatever they talk on. And here comes the stewardess. And they, boom, they let her on. Now, 
They'd have probably called the police on me I don't, if I'd have tried that. But, and I don't know what, did she have a sick child she was trying to get home to? Did she have a loved one that had died? I don't know her story. She could have just been psycho and didn't want to miss the flight. I, but that kind of boldness, she didn't care that we were watching. I could have filmed her, which would have been a cool idea because it would have made great PowerPoint seeing this whole thing go down. She didn't care who knew she didn't get on the plane. She didn't care. People knew she was late to get on the plane. She didn't care. She was going to get on that. And she did. She got on the plane. That's this woman. She's coming to Jesus. And look how she comes. She's begging. Verse 23. Jesus doesn't answer her a word. So the disciples came to him and urged him, get rid of her. She keeps crying after us. She's wearing us out. She's an EGR. Move her on. Remember. They have an angst at the dogs who were these pagan people. There's no love. It goes back hundreds and thousands of years. They fought, Israel's fought the Canaanite. There's bad blood. They disdain them. And I'm, I'd like to think when you come to Jesus, all that goes away. Wouldn't you like that? I thought that was true. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I expected everything about me was going to be new. They made it sound like that. I'm a new creation in Christ. Yeah, but I've got to walk it out. I had all kinds of stuff. Still do. I mean, I'm coming up on, I don't know how many years later, and I'm like, oh, I I still got that. I'm still, I got that still in me. I haven't got over that. I'm still working on that. Another layer, another level. You didn't get rid of all your prejudice when you came to Jesus. If you don't work on it, you'll walk in it. You'll think it's normal. You were raised in it. You were raised that it was normal. You, your, your, your politics will prove to you that it's normal. You'll find people that agree with you that it's normal. Until you bump up against Jesus. And Jesus said, nah, that's not normal for my children. Maybe normal for the children of this world. Now, when Jesus is silent, we don't know what he's thinking. But if you know who he is. This is the thing about knowing, getting to know God through Jesus. When you know who he is, you know he's not thinking, God, I wish I could get rid of this woman. That's not what he's thinking. That's not the atmosphere he's putting off. He's not putting off a vibe. He's not putting off a, 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 some aura of this woman is driving me insane. He, he, he's, we don't know what he's doing. I'm, I'm guessing he's praying for wisdom. But in this silence, the disciples say, we know what he's doing. He wants us to take charge. And so they step up and they fill in the blank with what they think the Lord might be thinking. This is where you can get in trouble. The devil loves to fill in blanks. Like somebody goes by you in church and didn't say hi. They're mad at you. Based on what? I don't know. But they, since they're mad at me, they must have been mad. They didn't say. Maybe their mind was on something else. The pastor didn't say good morning. He must be mad at me. Well, the devil loves to fill in the blank. It's never with good thoughts. Do you ever notice that? Your default isn't the benefit of the doubt. The default isn't probably something good. Your default is always something bad. And so the, the, these disciples representing our impatience take this woman and they want her to shut up, get her out, move on. Now look what, look what happens. In this silence, all of a sudden Jesus speaks to her in verse 24. He answers and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. 
I was sent only to the lost sheep. So what's he doing to this woman here? He's challenging the fact she's not an Israeli. You have no claim to anything I've got. You're not part of the God's covenant. You're not part of the, the promises of the people of Israel. And so she's being gently kind of put in her place. But when you know his heart, when he used the word lost sheep, she found a loophole. I'm a lost sheep. I'm not from Israel, but I'm lost. I, I got you there, don't I, Jesus? Because you got to know she's reading his face. She's reading his eyes. She's listening to his tone. She senses affection. She senses acceptance. And listen, I love this. Now, most people, they, they, verse 25, the woman comes she kneels before him and says, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. what's she appealing to for? What's the word? Huh? Mercy. She's not appealing. She's not saying, I have an entitlement. I have a demand. Now, Jesus, people lose their mind, Bible people, on this next statement. They lose their mind because they don't get it. And look at what Jesus says to her. He says, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. He just called her a dog. Now, she'd been called a dog all her life. But here's where you got to dig a little deeper. There's two words in the New Testament for the word dog. One of the words is for a savage, wild, undomesticated, roaming the streets, eating garbage, and causing trouble. That word was used by the apostle Paul when he was speaking of false teachers that had come in the church to divide the church. He calls them dogs. It's a strong, harsh word. They're scavengers. They're, they're, they're uh, unruly. They're, they run in packs. That's not this word. He uses the word for little dogs. Jesus said, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and give them to the little dogs. The puppies. He's not. Listen, when you know Jesus, he would never call a human being a ravenous, scavenge, flea infested, whatever dog. You dog. No. He's saying to her with a, you can say with a wink and a smile. He's saying, hey, you're not one of the children. And you you can't give you the bread because you're not part of the, the, the family. And now he's challenging her. He wants her to be in the family. He's not pointing that out to keep her from the family. He discerned that this isn't a woman that you're going to scare off. This is a woman that you're going to stretch her heart. He's stretching her heart here because he's saying, it's not proper, and she'll, she'll agree with him. Look what she says. I love her wit. She responds to Jesus, verse 27. You're right, Lord. That's right. You, as though Jesus needed to be told he was right. You know, he is God and a man. You, you got it right, Jesus. Now watch her. Watch this wit. You got it right. But even the dogs, the little puppies, which I don't mind being, get the crumbs from where? Even the dongs get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. They're, she's including these puppies, these little dogs these, that children play with. They're not ravenous 
savage dogs that are wild and free. These are tame, domesticated. And she said, you know, the dogs get the crumbs. Now, they can get the crumbs by someone that's a sloppy eater. Or they can get crumbs like our dog does. By looking so sad. Uh, He's a black lab. He's got to have some more hound in him. He's got big jowls. You know, those are big lips that hang down and the drool. And he's got these sad eyes like a bloodhound that that show red. And he's got, he's mastered the look of begging. Mastered it. I mean, he can stare through the coldest heart on the planet. I mean, I've had people that don't even like dogs give him something from the table. He's just an artist at it. He can get, I make him lay down to do it. My wife will let him just sit and stare. He doesn't bark. He doesn't whine. He just drools. And the drool gives him away. I'm after, I'm after whatever it is you're eating. And have you ever tried to slip a dog something that you, they think they want because you're eating it like a grape? And, and you give it to him and it's like, they don't, he's not going to eat a grape. He thought I was eating a piece of meat. But anyway, this woman says, I don't mind being a dog because sometimes scraps fall and sometimes they fall on purpose. And she says, I don't mind where I get the bread. I'll be a dog. I'll be a little dog if that's what it takes to get in on the bread because I'm not at the table. I'm not part of the family, but I'm under the master's table. That's a good place to be. That's getting close. Now I might just get some mercy drops. I might just get some crumbs from the bread. Now remember the bread represents all that Jesus came to bring and to do all the works, all the love, the grace, the bread represents Jesus. He's called that in the gospel, John chapter six, all through the chapter, he refers to himself as the living bread, the bread of life. That if you feast on my body and drink my blood, not literally, we're not cannibals, but we are in faith. We're eating of Jesus. We're drinking of Jesus. So she, she says, if she would have said, I deserve that bread. Guess what? You're not a child. That bread's not for you yet. It's coming. God's going to spread the gospel to other sheep I have that are not of this fold. But right now, the priority is the bread represents it's for the family of Israel. It's for the people of God. I've come to bring this bread. And then the lady, she says, I don't have to be a child. I'll just be a little little doggy. I'll be a little doggy. Would you be a little doggy? To get a big crumb so your daughter can get better? Or do you have to be a, 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 a prideful and I would never humble myself? Jesus is not trying to demean her. She's been called a dog all her life. He's using a soft, affectionate tone and term. Little dog and soft with it just so you can see a little grin on his face. Because she's got him. She's got him. But he wanted to be gotten. You don't get Jesus if Jesus doesn't want you to get him. You, when Jacob wrestled with Jesus all night, the only reason Jacob won is because Jesus wanted him to win. You don't beat Jesus unless he wants to get beaten. And he wanted to get beat. He wanted to give away. He, he, he delights in short. He never turns down somebody's plea 
for mercy when they're coming at him in a posture of, I know I don't deserve this. I have no claim on this. My only claim is mercy. And then somebody at the table can take off a piece of bread and go, boom, mercy. It's a, it's a crumb. But that crumb had more power in it than any other force in the universe. That crumb's about to set her daughter free from a demon without ever having to leave the spot he was to deliver her no matter how far away she lived. She's taking the crumb. She says, I'll be the doggy at the table. I'm under the table. I'm under the master's table. I'm one of the master's puppies. I'll be his little dog. I'd love to be your little dog. Jesus, I'll follow you wherever. Now listen, watch this, watch this. She says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus throws his head, I'm adding this. Jesus answers, I'm saying, threw his head back. He exclaims, woman, not a dog, woman of value, woman, you have great faith. Only twice in the Bible, in the New Testament, is Jesus blown away by how magnificent the person's faith was. And both times they were non-Israel Gentiles. They were, the, the, in, in Matthew chapter 8, you have the centurion, the, ar- the army guy, that says, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Say the word, and my servant will be healed. Just say the word, I know authority. Just say, and Jesus says, and it uses in Matthew there, it uses the word astonished. Basically today, it's, he would say, you blow my mind. That's probably not what they say anymore, do they? That's probably like, it's not even off the chain. That's probably old too, isn't it? Is there anything contemporary that, what would you say in a contemporary like that just blows my mind? You got nothing for me, buddy? It's pretty pitiful. You're letting your whole generation down. Your whole generation. We have words. You'd be what? Flabbergasted? My God, that's an old... Dude, that's older than me. Wow. I'm going to have to help him a little bit with his lingo. Wow. Wow. Flabbergasted. Wow. Jesus says to this woman, you amaze me. You're amazing. He's blown away. He... This silence to making her wait, to to acting like maybe he's holding back, to challenging her. All of that was so that Jesus could see her explode with this great faith. He's not trying to punish her. He's not making her run on a on a little wheel till you know she can get some little He's not trying to get her to he's just trying to see her faith come into a place where she came as a Gentile dog, but she's going to leave as a child of Jesus, not eating crumbs, but sitting at the table. That's where he wanted her the whole time. He is not shocked by this. He's like, yes, I saw it in you. I knew the Holy Spirit was at work in you. I knew there was something. She started with a crumb, but listen to me. Don't stay under the table looking for crumbs. When you meet Jesus, you're his child. Sit down at the table and cut off a slice of bread. Get all that you need and you don't have to beg for it. Don't stay as a little dog. That's a great place to start. It's honest, humble. 
I don't know. I, if it takes being a little dog, I'll, I'll tell the story about Pastor Charles. He said about half of it's true, but I'll let you figure out what half you think is true. But we about raised him when we were, he was young, he was a teenager. And we had three daughters and we were living on Sanibel and he, he was displaced and we let him live with us for a while. Well, it finally just got, you know, nothing to do. It just got too much. And so we said, buddy, you're going to have to move out. Well, first thing is he moved out in pieces. He'd take some of his stuff and go, then he'd come back. Hey, I forgot, you know, and that meant stay for a meal. And oh, by the way, while you're here, go ahead and say, so he drug it out as long as he could. Finally, I just said, buddy, you got to go. You got to go. He puts his head down. He says, our dog back then was a golden retriever named Sunday, little buddy Sunday. And he said, he said, listen, I'm, I'd be willing to sleep with Sunday out on the porch uh, if you let me stay. And it'd make a much better story if my heart caved with mercy and, and I didn't say, no, out the door. And so it makes for a bad story. But anyway, it's kind of that same. I'm not Jesus. That's the point of that story. Jesus would have let you stay. I didn't. So there's the door. I love you. And he, he found his own footing and he's now helping us lead the church together. Uh, so he's not sleeping with a dog. Listen to me. It's, it's, it's better to be under the table like a little dog than to be outside the house cut off. I'd better start under the table. Get me a crumb. Because at least I'm under the table. At least I'm getting some bread. But then once you taste that bread, if you don't think Jesus didn't throw his arms around this woman, after she came up, he had her stand up in the arms of love. He gripped her, looked her in the eye, and he said, you're my child. Follow me. She went home not knowing. She had no, there was no cell phones. There was no, you know, nothing social. There was no, she posted it on whatever that while she's crying out to God in mercy for mercy, all Jesus whispered was, leave. Doesn't say anything. Look at it. it the story ends in, in verse 28. Woman, you've got great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that hour. Now, she didn't know that yet. She had to go home with the confidence that Jesus said. And that's enough. I ate the crumb, I got the bread, I heard the Lord, he said it's done, I'm going home. And when she got home, she, I'm sure, embraced her daughter, wept over her, and told her about the love of Jesus. She gave her daughter a crumb to eat, and that made her hungry for more. That made the daughter seek after God. Who knows what she did in her little pagan neighborhood of just beginning to tell the story of what Jesus did. I started with a crumb, but then I found the loaf. I started with just a, 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 a key, the key that unlocks the, the, the heart of God, which is the key of mercy, of requesting mercy, asking for mercy. God never, he, he shows his cards. It's like he would be a terrible card player. If he has four aces, he won't go, mm, I don't know. He'd go, I got four aces. He's going to show you his hand. He's going to give you mercy if you humbly ask for it. He's going to feed you the bread if you come to his table. He's going to give you forgiveness if you look for it. So many Christians get stuck under the table at best as a little dog just hoping for a crumb. When God says, stand up, come to the table, 
Have a seat with me. Enjoy me. Enjoy the living bread. Cut you a big slice of Jesus off and put that love butter all over him and just say, I need all of you, Jesus, not just a crumb. But I'll start with a crumb and a crumb changed the daughter's life. If a crumb will do that, what will a big bite do? If a crumb sets the captives free, what would a big piece of the love of Jesus, the living bread be? What would that do? How much do you want? Do you know you have as much of God as you want? If you want more, come and get it. He wants you to find the living bread. But you don't come demanding. You come receiving. You come humbly, but expecting. Great faith. Great faith. He didn't say great humility or great perseverance. All of that's in faith. He just says, nothing makes God happier than to see faith from those that cry out to him and believe him and trust him. It hurts the father's heart when we doubt him. It hurts him. As much as whatever sin we did to, to need to be forgiven, when you doubt his forgiveness, it's as bad as whatever sin you did to need the forgiveness. Doubting him doesn't please him. It's not humility. If she would have just gone, oh, I know, I'm just an old dog. I don't, you know, I guess I'll go on my way. I'm just an old dog, this old worthless, old, old nothing. I mean, no, she said, I'll be a little dog because they get the crumbs. I've watched them. And I could just see, I could just see in this home while they're talking. Can't you see? He's in somebody's home. You know, they got little children. They're at the table. They might have been in the middle of a meal and their little puppy running around. And you see little little boy just breaks off a piece and the puppy's getting a little rambunctious and he throws that piece down. And she says, don't, don't the dog, the little dog, don't they get in on the bread from the master's table? They get in on it. I'm not appealing because I'm your child. I'm appealing because I'm a little dog. But I can get in on the bread like they do, can't I? And of course, Jesus said, yes, yes, yes. Great faith, great faith. Let's pray together. Just as a a, a word picture in your own heart. Are you outside the door just kind of wandering around and Jesus is inside and you you're just feel cut off? Or are you in the house, but you're under the table and you just need to find a crumb? Or have you found that crumb and been lifted up to sit with him at the table and enjoy sweet communion and fellowship? That's where he wants you to come to. Don't stay outside. Come on in. You could start as a little puppy. Just be humble. God, I've got no boast. No, I got nothing to demand. I just, I'd be, I'd be thrilled with a crumb. Let me have a little crumb that'll change my life or whoever it is you're carrying on your heart. But then don't stay down there like a little dog. Humility believes in who he says you are. And when he called her a child, when she came back, if she did at that house or wherever, she's sitting next to Jesus because she's become a child, a follower of Christ.
If you've not done that, I want to give you an opportunity to do this morning. You, you got to start with, I need him. You got to start with, I can't demand anything out of him. You got to start with, please, Father, I need mercy. And just ask him where you are right now. God, I need you to come into my life. Invite Jesus to come in. You're inviting him to come in based on his mercy and his grace. Let him give you the crumb of salvation. Just invite him in. Say, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. Just invite him in. Start with receiving the crumb of mercy that can be filled with more power than you'll ever know to help you, set you free, restore you, forgive you. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Lord. Lord, bless this time of ministry as we come to eat the bread together and drink the cup. In Jesus' name, amen.